LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the One Ministry Question Podcast, and I'm your host, Todd Atkins. Today, I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about a very important subject uh, in the church. It's important for multiple reasons. Uh, the biggest reason why it's important is the gospel, uh, because understanding that in carrying out the Great Commission, it's really hard to do that without the uh, average attendee in your church being engaged and involved and using their gifts in service to Christ. In fact, it's important for that reason as well, because they cannot grow into spiritual maturity apart mm -hmm. from using their gifts and service to Christ. So Daniel, what is yeah. our one question today? <laughs> all right. How do you recruit additional volunteers when you've exhausted all the regular options? This is such a pertinent question these days because you got, you got bad recruitment and you got good recruitment, right? You got healthy and you got unhealthy recruitment. The unhealthy recruitment is when you kind of corner someone in, you use shame and guilt and, and you get all puppy dog eyed and you're like, Oh, how can we do this? If we, if we don't have volunteers and you kind of guilt and shame them into volunteering and then you leave and they're like locked in forever. So that's obviously unhealthy, a unhealthy way to recruit a volunteer. And then there are healthy ways, right? For example, having uh, a role description, asking them to pray about it, asking them to sign up for a term of a year, and then you evaluate and you go on. So there's a lot of these pieces that we can get into later on in the episode. But the reason I bring it up is being the time of year that we're in. And on top of that, given the last two years or almost two, two years with COVID, so many churches are starting from scratch when it comes to volunteers, especially in kids ministry for a lot of churches. If it's like, oh yeah, well, well, I, if, if, if I volunteer in kids ministry right now and one of the kids, you know, they don't know how to wear masks and, and, and if they get COVID, then I'm a close contact and I miss work. And there are all of these domino effects. There are so many churches that, I mean, they're, they're those areas where they're hurting for volunteers and a lot of volunteers, they had an out when COVID came, when the doors were shut and lots of churches went exclusively online volunteers who are shamed and guilt <laughs> guilted and i'm not saying that's how you're supposed to do it but a lot of these volunteers had their out and they're like i'm done i don't need to come back in anymore and yeah. now it's almost like you're starting from scratch and you're like okay how do i do this recruitment thing anymore uh again because i it's it's really hard for people to join so yeah i mean uh i kind of want to go into a little bit more on on how not to ask, mm -hmm. how not to make the ask. You've already pointed out the, the guilt thing and people are very familiar with that. Um, you may think you don't do this, but if you get up on Sunday morning from the stage, uh, it's not just a personal one-on-one -on -one thing. That's where guilt uh, conscription is most, uh, most often used. <laughs> but People do it from stage too. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, they'll talk about the importance of kids ministry and it's basically begging for volunteers. Um, that's the way not to do it. <clears throat> the other way not to do it is to lower your bar and your standards so much um, because in, in the same breath, they'll talk about how important it is and then talk about how easy it is or how little it requires 
um, or uh, anybody can do this. Um, you know, all those things. And it's like, well, that's not terribly compelling either. Um, <laughs> well, and I, who are you recruiting, right? Yes. If, if you set the bar that low and you're like, it's easy, it's not going to take much time, all this stuff. Then, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, three weeks into it or three months into it, your volunteer is, you know, here and there and not showing up to their commitment. And you're asking them to do more and they're like, oh, I yeah. don't know about that. And they're flaky, quote unquote. Well, it's, it's kind of what yes. you recruited them into, right? <laughs> yes. If you're, uh, if the bar was being able to fog a mirror, mm. then, then you're, then, then you're in big trouble right now. Um, the other piece is recognizing that we often go to the same well over and over and over again. Yeah. If you look statistically at, uh, at volunteerism in the church, most volunteers who are serving are serving 2.67 times, which means um, that they're already serving in other ministries. It also means that churches going into COVID often overcounted or overestimated the number of volunteers that they actually had. Yeah. And when that older person or that person who has a child that might be in an ad, at-risk category or, or, or whatever, when they step out, when they step away from volunteering, it's often in 2.67 roles. It's not mm -hmm. just one role. And yeah. so you have to take that into consideration as well. And so there's tools that, you know, we've uh, we've actually developed that can help with this because in auditing, you know, where you need volunteers, uh, you need to consider what is being asked of the volunteer. Um, is this a safer environment for somebody than, you know, other opportunities? If so, that person who left over here may actually be able to serve in this new role. So um, it, it's really important to take a step back during this time and assess. May seem like, man, Sunday's coming. I don't have time for this. I just need to get you know bodies in place. I totally get that. Um, but the greatest thing that you have at your disposal is a spreadsheet and a pack of post-it notes and a large empty wall um, yeah, yeah. to really take a couple hours and figure this out. It will really, really help you uh, down the road. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Uh, one thing that you have to do beyond the immediate, I need volunteers for this Sunday, uh, you do need to consider, okay, for the individual who is leading this ministry area, volunteer or staff member, what is their philosophy and framework around their role and the role of others in that ministry? I'll give you an example. Uh, when we were hiring, uh, when I was recently hiring one of our staff, uh, we I, I asked them this question, and they're in the children's ministry department. I asked them, okay, so are you more on the end, if you were to imagine a spectrum, are you more on the end of, hey, I need to create opportunities for everyone to use their gifting, and I'm going to you know, find these people, here are all my roles, kind of like an org chart, and I'm going to figure out all the roles that I need and find the people who are best suited and gifted and talented for all those areas. And then when all that is done, I'll then fit myself in, uh, even if that sometimes means that I will be doing the, the prep and the cleanup because all my volunteers are, they're doing the teaching, they're doing this, this, that, and the other, right? So so that's one way on one side of the spectrum of, of looking at a philosophy of, of recruiting volunteers for your ministry. The other side is saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I am the pastor or I am the ministry director over this area. That means 
I need, quote unquote, and you may never actually say job security, but in a sense, I need to be indispensable because I am the leader. I am the point. I need to be the one that is in charge. I need to be the one that is up front in the ministry and I need to teach and I need to do this. And and then I'm going to recruit everyone else to kind of be my helpers, uh, to, to, to lift. You would never really say lift me up, but in a sense, culturally, that is what's happening. So I recognize that is uh, two ends of the spectrum. And men, it's there's a there's a lot of space in between. But for you and your team, if you're the lead, for you to actually have this conversation with your entire team together and be like, hey, where do you think, like when you look at all of your volunteers, where do you think they land? Where do you land from this side to the other? Men, that is going to open up the floodgates to talk about philosophy of ministry. And if you don't have a philosophy of ministry in and around volunteering in the church, and if it's not grounded in Ephesians 4, uh, <laughs> man, we got to, like if it's grounded in business practices or indispensability or this, that, or the other, and it's not a grounded perspective in and around, yes, servant leadership, but also Ephesians 4, then uh, you you got to go back to the drawing board. Well, and I think that's important there. Um, what you're establishing is ultimately a culture. Culture is just shared behavior. And so um, you have one of those, whether you think you do or not. Like there's a culture that exists that enforces and reinforces the behavior that you currently have. Mm-hmm. So part of this is not a one podcast and done kind of thing. Here's some changes you can make and, 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 and you're good. No, you can directionally set a new, uh, a new course, but ultimately people are carriers of culture, not your programs, not your, your processes. Um, your processes of course need to be clear. Your training program needs to be well thought out and intentional, but, ultimately what carries that forward is is the people in the culture so oh yeah part of it is is really coming taking a step back and looking at i mean you know we do leadership pipeline which is a philosophy and framework you may think you know what pipeline is um and you know i'm not saying we have the the market quartered on that that's a business concept we like the visual of that but i like mckenzie's 7s framework more than anything to instill that culture instill and install because you're looking at the story, uh, and our story is the gospel, of course. It's why we're doing everything. And then you're moving into, okay, strategically, how are we making this happen? Structurally, how are we reinforcing that, providing clarity so that volunteers know um, this is what our structure is, and 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 they understand uh, because we're all on the same page. Then you look at uh, the systems and processes that reinforce everything, Gosh, guys, policies, all those things really reinforce behavior and culture. And so if you want A-level leaders, you can't, <laughs> you can't try to shove them into a B or C uh, level culture because they're not going to serve there. They're going to go serve somewhere else in the ministry. Or worse, they may not find an opportunity to serve in your church. Uh, yeah, because your yeah. church just dumps or delegates it it doesn't have an uh, a uh, development type uh, culture so yeah. I'm getting yeah. a little off topic no here, no no but... you don't 
you know you know what that um come you know what that brings to mind it would be interesting because this is a podcast where we're focusing on one question right in contrast right. to the five leadership questions podcast uh in contrast to the new churches q a podcast that we had done um, prior this is a little bit of a mashup of the two right we're focusing on leadership best we're of, focusing Daniel. yeah best of yeah i like that <laughs> and it'd be interesting todd in future episodes if we even did like a seven episode masterclass on the 7s framework for pipeline for recruitment so you know it'd be interesting because this is episode one if you leave a rating and review and just in that rating and review you type in man i would love to hear an answer to this or can you focus on this there's obviously lots of ways that you can connect with us online and send that question in but especially since we're getting started it'd be interesting for you to to do that leave a rating and review, but also leave that question too. So uh, perhaps we want to tease that out in a little mini series. But you know what, Todd, as you were sharing all that, you know what came to mind? There's this often said cliche, more is caught than taught, right? And oh, when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to what you were just talking about with culture and, and leadership development and even the framework, this question that you could pose to your staff today Hey, are you gonna? Are you more on this side or more on this side of this spectrum? Hey, you know what? If you don't know the answer to that question for yourself, then you might actually be propagating a culture that you don't even want. And that's the huge part about self-awareness, right? I love this quote. It's a paraphrase from Sun Shu, The Art of War. He's like, hey, if you know your enemy, you'll win half the battles. If you know yourself, you'll win the other half. And too often in life and ministry, we know about those frameworks. We've read this book. We've listened to that. But we don't know ourselves, right? We don't know what we personally think. And if you don't know that when it comes to volunteers, the unintended consequences might actually go against everything you're trying to build. So first and foremost, answer that question. What is your personal philosophy around volunteers? When you look at all the volunteers that you have recruited in the past, are they still around? And number two, as it relates to disciple making, have they made volunteers? Like have your volunteers recruited other volunteers and are they up and down the leadership pipeline? And if not, then let's go back to the drawing board. It's not too late to start, but let's go back to the drawing board and figure out what that looks like for your context. So, so one of the things that, you know, we said is, Hey, this isn't, we, we don't just want to do a bunch of theory. And you may say, Oh, Todd, it sounds like you guys are talking about more theory and philosophy and yada, yada. That is the long-term view that you have to get to. Mm -hmm. But in the short term, there are definitely things that you can do right now, but you need to change your viewpoint. You need to change your posture, if you will. You need to understand that a volunteer is the person that is best equipped and best positioned to recruit another volunteer you yes. may be over the whole yes. ministry yep you may be over the whole ministry and you might think this is my job my job is to like recruit and volunteers and make sure i have people there on sunday ah no your job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry who are going to equip other saints for the work of the ministry and hopefully there's a multiplication effect we know yep. that that doesn't happen all the time um but the higher the, the more that you can put an emphasis on volunteers recruiting 
and training other volunteers, the more it will actually happen and the more you can lift that up. Yeah, now recruiting that can't in happen- every level. <laughs> yes, that, that can't happen if you don't have some clarity. So there are little things like job descriptions. If you don't have job descriptions, we can put a link to show notes. Uh, we have tons of free job descriptions on Grid. We have them in peacetime and war. So if uh, a normal you know, children's worker or whatever, uh, group leader, uh, job description and one that's online because of COVID. Like there's adjustments that have been made along the way that the interesting thing that you would see there is it's much easier for me to make the ask and not a beg. It's much easier for me to uh, recruit high quality leaders if I'm clear with them in what the expectations are. And if the, the, um, that job description that I give them, that little one pager, um, actually links up with some of the training. Then that way they know uh, I'm not being dumped on. Um, I've got clarity. You know, half of training, guys, half of training and recruiting volunteers is a confidence issue. Yeah. The other half is competence. Yes. Uh, yes. But it's half and half. And a lot of times the barrier to getting someone in the door onboarded and contributing to your ministry it's a confidence issue not a competence issue it's a confidence issue and what you can do by very clearly having a job description and having some training uh, and letting them know hey here's what these steps are it's really clear that clarity gives them confidence that they're going to be able to do this and so if you take away one thing from this one question, it would be, hey, we're going to make sure that you have some resources in order to do that. I'll also drop in um, the auditing tool that I mentioned earlier for you to go in and audit. Here's all the roles that we currently have. And then let's name names and put them in there and, and figure out who's missing and you know where everybody's serving uh, so that we can kind of go in with our eyes wide open to, to what we're looking at this, this fall. Yeah, good stuff. Nice. So like Daniel said, if you'll just go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, that would be great. Uh, Just so you know, when we come back on our next episode, we are going to kind of piggyback off of this and really talk about how do you successfully ensure that people are being onboarded well into your volunteer structure. I mean, you're, you're probably onboarding a lot of new volunteers and you'll have a tendency to want to do that as quickly as possible. Um, but we want to make sure that we do that well, both for the volunteer and for our ministry. So that's what we'll be talking about next time. See you then.